0: Where, if you mouse over the link at the top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOe. On that same top of uh, the page menu, or the same drop-down off the top menu, there is also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson, and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, with Section 8, Creation and Communication. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Uh, let again this morning by Fran, as she so faithfully does. Let's hmm. yes. I ask you, Lauren, if you have a one of your wonderful noetic openings for the call.
1: I do. do I do and I'm so glad for it today it's a poem from Hafiz called this place where you are right now this place where you are right now God circled on a map for you wherever your eyes and arms and heart can move against the earth and sky the beloved has bowed there our beloved has bowed there knowing you are coming I could tell you a priceless secret about your real worth, dear Pilgrim. But any unkindness to yourself, any confusion about others, will keep you from accepting the grace, the love, the sublime freedom, divine knowledge always offers you. Never mind, Hafiz, about the great requirements this path demands of its wayfarers. For your soul is too full of wine tonight to with all the wondrous truth from this world. But because I am so clever and generous, I have already clearly woven a resplendent lock of his tresses as a remarkable gift in this verse for you. This place where you are right now, God circled on a map. And wherever, darling, You can move against this earth and sky. The beloved has bowed there, knowing, knowing you are coming. Amen.
2: Well, thank you, Lori. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So welcome. Mm-hmm. So very welcome.
0: Well, thank you, Laurie. I'll let that one sink in. Okay, I'm um, with me and uh <laughs> you this morning. I have on my list here, I have Lori, uh, in terms of reading, Lori, Fran, Jude, Robin, Marie, Jessica, and Karen. Uh, uh, Is there anyone else who's joined the call who'd like to say good morning and maybe join the reading list?
1: Good morning. Patricia here. Available to read.
0: Thank you. Great. Thanks, Patricia. Anyone else? Like to just say good morning? Okay. All right. I'll get us started, then, with the reading. In Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil... Section 8, Creation and Communication. It should be clear by now that while the content of any particular ego illusion does not matter, it is usually more helpful to correct it in a specific context. Ego illusions are quite specific, although they frequently change, and although the mind is naturally abstract. The mind, nevertheless, becomes concrete voluntarily as soon as it splits. However, only part of it splits, so only part of it is concrete. The concrete part is the same part that believes in the ego because the ego depends on the specific. It is the part. That believes your existence means you are separate. I'll try and read that again. It is the part that believes your existence means you are separate. And Laurie.
1: Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, Section 8, Creation and Communication. It should be clear by now that while the content of any particular ego illusion does not matter, it is usually more helpful to correct it in a specific context. Ego illusions are quite specific, although they frequently change and although the mind is naturally abstract. The mind nevertheless becomes concrete voluntarily as soon as it splits. However, Only part of it splits, so only part of it is concrete. The concrete part is the same part that believes in the ego, because the ego depends on the specific. It is the part that believes your existence means you are separate. Everything the ego perceives is a separate whole without the relationships that imply being. The ego is thus against communication, except insofar as it is utilized to establish separateness, rather than to abolish it. The communication system of the ego is based on its own thought system, as is everything else it dictates. Its communication is controlled by its need to protect itself, and it will disrupt communication whenever it experiences threat. While this is always so, individual egos perceive different kinds of threats which are quite specific in their own judgment. For example, although all forms of perceived demands may be classified or judged, by the ego as coercive communication, which must be disrupted, the response of breaking communication will nevertheless be to a specific person or persons.
0: Thank you, Lori and Fran.
1: 95. Everything the ego perceives is a separate whole without the relationships that imply being. The ego is thus against communication except in so far as it is utilized to establish separateness rather than to abolish it. The communication system of the ego is based on its own thought system as is everything else it dictates. Its communication is controlled by its need to protect itself and it will disrupt communication when it experiences threat. While well, this is always too, so, individual egos perceive different kinds of threat, which are quite specific in their own judgment. For example, although all forms of perceived demands may be classified or judged by the ego as coercive communication, which must be disrupted, the response of breaking communication will nevertheless be to a specific person or person. 96. The specificity of the ego's thinking, then, results in a spurious kind of generalization, which is really not abstract at all. It will respond in certain specific ways to all stimuli which it perceives as related. In contrast, the soul reacts in the same way to everything it knows is true and does not respond at all to anything else nor does it make any attempt to establish what is true. It knows that what is true is everything that God created. It is in complete and direct communication with every aspect of creation because it is in complete and direct communication with its creator.
0: Thank you, Brian and Judy.
1: Yes, thank you, LeMoyne. The specificity of the ego thinking, then, results in a spurious, spurious kind of generalization, which is really not abstract at all. It will respond in certain specific ways to all stimuli, which it perceives as related. In contrast, the soul reacts in the same way to everything it knows is true and does not respond at all to anything else, nor does it make any attempt to establish what is true. It knows that what is true is everything that God created. It is in complete and direct communication with every aspect of creation because It is in complete and direct communication with its creator. This communication is the will of God. This communication is the will of God. Creation and communication are synonymous. Creation and communication are synonymous. God created every mind by communicating his mind to it thus establishing it forever as a channel for the reception of his mind and his will since only beings of a like order can truly communicate his creations naturally communicate with him and like him this communication is perfectly abstract in that its quality is universal in application and not subject to any judgment any exception or any alteration this communication is perfectly abstract in that its quality is universal in its application and not subject to any judgment any exception or any alteration, God created you by this and for this. The mind can distort its function, but it cannot endow itself with functions it was not given. That is why the mind cannot totally lose the ability to communicate, even though it may refuse to utilize it on behalf of being, on behalf of being.
0: Thank you, Judy, and Robin Murray.
2: Let's see.
3: Uh,
2: I'll go up like a sentence or two. It knows that what is true is everything that God created. It is in complete and direct communication with every aspect of creation because it is in complete and direct communication with its creator. 97. This communication is the will of God. Creation and communication are synonymous. God created every mind by communicating His mind to it, thus establishing it forever ...as a channel for the reception of His mind and will. Since only beings of a like order can truly communicate, His creations naturally communicate with Him and like Him. This communication is perfectly abstract in that its quality is universal in application and not subject to any judgment, any exception or any alteration. God created you by this and for this. The mind can distort its function, but it cannot endow itself with functions it was not given. That is why the mind cannot totally lose the ability to communicate, even though it may refuse to utilize it on behalf of being. Ninety-eight. Existence, as well as being, rests on communication. Existence, however, is specific in how, what, and with whom communication is judged to be worth undertaking. Being is completely without these distinctions. It is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real, including the soul, To whatever extent you permit this state to be curtailed, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by your recognizing all reality in the glorious context of its real relationship to you. This is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home, your real temple, And your real
1: self.
0: Thank you, Robin Murray. And Jessica.
2: 98. Existence, as well as being, rests on communication. Existence, however, is specific in how, what, and with whom communication is judged to be worth undertaking. Being is completely without these distinctions. It is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real, including the soul. To whatever extent you permit this state to be curtailed, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by your recognizing all reality in the glorious contents Context of its real relationship to you. This is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home, your real temple, and your real true self. God, who encompasses all beings, nevertheless created beings who have everything individually but who want to share it to increase their joy. Nothing that is real can be increased except by sharing. That is why God himself created you. Divine abstraction takes joy and application. And that is what creation means. Quote how, quote what, and quote to whom are irrelevant because real creation gives everything, since it can create only like itself. Remember that in being, there is no difference between quote having and quote being, as there is in existence. In the state of being, the mind gives everything always.
0: Thank you, Jessica. And Karen.
3: 99. God, who encompasses all being, nevertheless created beings who have everything individually but who want to share it to increase their joy. Nothing that is real can be increased except by sharing. That is why God himself created you. Divine abstraction takes joy in application. And that is what creation means. Quote, how, what, and to whom, unquote, are irrelevant. Because real creation gives everything, since it can create only like itself. Remember that in being, there is no difference between having and being. As there is in existence. In the state of being, the mind gives everything always. (coughs) Excuse me. 100. The Bible repeatedly states that you should praise God. This hardly means that you should tell him how wonderful he is. He has no ego with which to accept such thanks and no perception with which to judge such offerings. But unless you take part, excuse me, but unless you take your part in the creation, his joy is not complete because yours is incomplete. And this he does know. He knows it in his own being and its experience of his son's experience. The constant going out of his love is blocked when his channels are closed and he is lonely when the minds he created do not communicate fully with him.
0: Thank you, Karen and Patricia.
1: The Bible repeatedly states, that you should praise God. This hardly means that you should tell him how wonderful he is. He has no ego with which to accept such thanks and no perception with which to judge such offerings. But unless you take your part in the creation, his joy is not complete because yours is incomplete. And this he does know, he knows it in his own being and its experience of his son experience the constant going out of his love is blocked when his channels are closed and he is lonely when the mind he created do not communicate fully with him 101 God has kept your kingdom for you. But he cannot share his joy without you. He cannot share his joy with you until you know it with your whole mind. Even revelation is not enough because it is communication from God. It is not enough until it is shared. God does not need revelation returned to him, which would clearly be impossible but he does want revelation brought to others. This cannot be done with the actual revelation because its content cannot be expressed. And it is intensely personal for the mind which receives it. It can, however, still be returned by that mind through its attitudes to other minds, which the knowledge from the revelation brings.
0: Thank you, Patricia. And is there a new reader for 101 and 102? New
3: reader for 101 and
4: 102? This is Renee. Where, what what chapter are we in?
0: um chapter 4 section 8 near the end creation and communication
4: okay 101 mm mm-hmm. god has god has kept your kingdom for you but he cannot share his joy with you until you know it is with until you know it with your whole mind. Even revelation is not enough because it is a communication from God. It is not enough until it is shared. God does not need revelation returned to him, which would clearly be impossible, but he does want revelation brought to others. This cannot be done with the actual revelation because it's, Content, content cannot be expressed, and it is intensely personal to the mind which perceives it. It can, however, still be returned by that mind through its attitudes to other minds, which the knowledge from the revelation brings. God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful. This is impossible without being wholly harmless, because the two beliefs coexist. This is impossible, excuse me, without being wholly harmless, because the two beliefs coexist. The truly helpful are unvulnerable because they are not protecting their egos, so that nothing can hurt them. Their helpfulness is their praise of God. And he will return their praise of him because they are like him. And they can rejoice together. God goes out to them and through them. And there is great joy through the kingdom. Every mind that is changed adds to this joy with its own individual willingness to share in it. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers whom I direct until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever can follow my guidance through you.
0: Thank you, Renee. And is there another new reader who would like to conclude with 102? or the narrator okay back to you Laurie.
1: oh yeah God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful this is impossible without being wholly harmless because the two beliefs coexist the truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos So that nothing can hurt them their helpfulness is the praise of God and he will return the praise of him because they are like him and they can rejoice together God goes out to them and through them and there is great joy throughout the kingdom every mind that is changed adds to this joy with its own individual willingness to share in it The truly helpful are God's miracle workers whom I direct until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful and to whomever can follow my guidance through you. Amen for today.
0: Well, thank you, Lori. And... uh, (laughs) You mentioned earlier reading this one twice and I don't know if you folks want to read it again. Uh one paragraph at a time.
1: Like a song. Oh yeah. I I do. I do.
2: Sure, that's great. Yeah.
0: Is it gonna work for you, friend? yeah, mhm. You don't need to go up in service, okay, all right, well um, <clears throat> um, let me do this uh reversing reversing the order. Will each treat one um, so uh start with Renee at 94 uh Patricia 95 and then Karen 96 Jessica 97 Robin Marie 98 um, Judy 99 Brand 100 and Laurie at 101 Let's see if we have a new reader or I can conclude it. Okay, Renee, would you get us started then with the chapter title, section title, 94?
4: Um, yes. Thank you. Uh, chapter 4, The Root of All Evil creation and communication. It should be clear by now that while the content of any particular ego illusion does not matter, it is usually more helpful to correct it in a specific context. Ego illusions are quite specific, although they frequently change and although the mind is naturally abstract, the mind nevertheless becomes concrete voluntarily as soon as it splits. However, only part of it splits, though only part of it is concrete. The concrete part is the same part that believes in the ego because the ego depends on the specific. It is the part that believes your existence means you are separate. 95.
1: Everything the ego perceives is a separate whole without the relationships that imply being. The ego is thus against communication except in so far as it is utilized to establish separateness, rather than to abolish it. The communication, the communication system of the ego is based on its own thought system, as is everything else it dictates. Its communication is controlled controlled by its need to protect itself. And it will disrupt communication when it experiences threats. While this is always so, the individual egos perceive different kinds of threats which are quite specific in their own judgment. For example, although all forms of perceived demands may be classified or judged by the ego as coercive communication, which must be disrupted, the response of breaking communication, will nevertheless be to a specific person or person.
3: The specificity of the ego thinking then results in a spurious kind of generalization, which is really not abstract at all. It will respond in certain specific ways, To all stimuli, which it perceives as related. In contrast, the soul reacts in the same way to everything it knows is true and does not respond at all to anything else. Nor does it make any attempt to establish what is true. It knows that what is true is everything that God created. It is in complete and direct communication with every aspect of creation because it is in complete and direct communication with its creator.
2: 97. This communication is the will of God. Creation and communication are synonymous. God created every mind by communicating His mind to it, thus establishing it forever as a channel for the reception of His mind and will. Since only beings of a like order can truly communicate, His creations naturally communicate with Him and like Him. This communication is perfectly abstract In that its quality is universal in application and not subject to any judgment any exception or any alteration god created you by this and for this the mind can distort its function but it cannot endow itself with functions that it was not given that is why the mind cannot totally lose the ability to communicate, even though it may refuse to utilize it on behalf of being. 98. Existence as well as being rests on communication. Existence, however, is specific in how, what, and with whom communication is judged to be worth undertaking. Being is completely without these distinctions. It is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real, including the soul. To whatever extent you permit the state to be curtailed, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by your recognizing all reality in the glorious context of its real relationship to you, this is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home, your real temple, and your real self.
1: wee. this is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home, your real temple and your real, capital self. God, who encompasses all being, nevertheless created beings who have everything individually, but who want to share it to increase their joy. Nothing that is real can be increased except by sharing. That is why God himself created you. Divine abstraction takes joy in application. And that is what creation means. Divine abstraction takes joy in application. And that is what creation means. How, what, and to whom are irrelevant. Because real creation gives everything. Since it can create only like itself. Remember that in being, remember that in being, there is no difference between having and being as there is in existence. In the state of being, the mind gives everything always. 100. <clears throat> the Bible repeatedly states that you should praise God. This hardly means that you should tell Him how wonderful He is. He has no ego with which to accept His thanks and no perception with which to judge such offerings. But unless you take your part in the creation, his joy is not complete because yours is incomplete. And this he does know. He knows it in his own being and it's experience of his son's experience. The constant going out of his love is blocked when his channels are closed. And he is lonely when the minds he created do not communicate fully with him. God has kept your kingdom for you, but he cannot share his joy with you until you know it with your whole mind. Even revelation is not enough because it is communication from God. It is not enough until it is shared. God does not need revelation returned to him, which would clearly be impossible, but he does want revelation brought to others. This cannot be done with the actual revelation, because its content cannot be expressed, and it is intensely personal to the mind which receives it. It can, however, still be returned by that mind through its attitudes to other minds, which the knowledge from the revelation brings.
0: And is there a new reader for 102? Okay, Ew. I'll read it. <laughs> I, think, I think you were agreeing with what I was trying to say. I'll read it. 102. God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful. This is impossible without being wholly harmless because the two beliefs coexist. The truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos so that nothing can hurt them. Their helpfulness is their praise of God and he will return their praise of him because they are like him and they can rejoice together. God goes out to them and through them and there is great joy throughout the kingdom. Every mind that is changed adds to this joy with its own individual willingness to share in it. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers whom I direct until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever, start that again. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever can follow my guidance through you. Well, thanks, everyone. And uh, I think that brings us <laughs> right to the lesson. So I ask you to give your attention to Fran as she leads us in today's lesson, lesson 46. God is the love in which I forgive. Take us away, friend.
1: Thank you. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and today our lesson is Lesson 46, God is the love in which I forgive. Tasha will read the lesson, and then we'll do our five-minute practice on it. Okay. God is the love in which I forgive. God does not forgive because he has never condemned, and there must be condemnation before forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is the great need of this world, for that is because it is a world of illusions. Those who forgive are thus releasing themselves from illusions, while those who withhold forgiveness are binding themselves to them. As you condemn only yourself, so you forgive only yourself. Although God does not forgive, his love is nevertheless the basis of forgiveness. Fear condemns and love forgives. Forgiveness thus undoes what fear has produced, returning the mind to the awareness of God. For this reason, forgiveness can truly be called salvation. It is the means by which illusions disappear today's exercises require at least three full five-minute practice periods and as many shorter applications as possible begin the longer practice periods by repeating today's idea to yourself as usual close your eyes as you do and spend a minute or two in searching your mind For those whom you have not forgiven it does not matter how much you have not forgiven you have forgiven them entirely or not at all if you are doing the exercises well you should have no difficulty in finding a number of people you have not forgiven it is a safe rule that anyone you do not like is a suitable subject mention each one by name and say God is the love in which I forgive you, name. The purpose of the first phase of today's practice is to put you in the best position to forgive yourself. And after you have applied the idea for today to all those who have come to mind, tell yourself, God is the love in which I forgive myself. Then devote the remainder of the practice period to adding related ideas such as God is the love with which I love myself. God is the love in which I am blessed. The form of the applications may vary considerably, but the central idea should not be lost sight of. You might say, for example, I cannot be guilty because I am a son of God. I have already been forgiven. No fear is possible in a mind beloved of God. There is no need to attack because love has forgiven me. The practice period should end, however, with a repetition of today's idea as originally stated. The shorter applications may consist either of a repetition of the idea for today in the original or in a related form as you prefer. Be sure, however, to make more specific applications if they are needed. They will be needed at any time during the day. When you become aware of any kind of negative reaction to anyone, present or not, in this event, tell him silently, God is the love in which I forgive you. Lesson 46, God is the love in which I forgive. Five minutes Now I shall read the paragraph from the review of Lesson 46. God is the love in which I forgive. God does not forgive because he is never condemned. The blameless cannot blame, and those who have accepted their innocence see nothing to forgive. Yet forgiveness is the means by which I will recognize my innocence. It is the reflection of God's love on earth. It will bring me near enough to heaven that the love of God can reach down to me and raise me to my home. Lesson 46. God is the love in which I forgive. Amen. Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Well, thank you, guys.
3: (laughs) Good morning, it's Karen. Um, I sort of had a, a preview of this lesson last night in meditation. Um, my true self is the God part of my mind. Um, God is the mind in which I think. My true self mind, my God mind is loving and when it when I'm in my true self, that's beingness, you know, that's when being happens, and it flows out the extension flows out, the love flows out. Um, The false self, the false self came into be came into um, came into existence or manifested when I blocked God's love. By blocking the love, through fear, I've I've solidified a lot of contraction. The energy gets blocked and stuck, and over time, it becomes this this thing, an energy thing, which I call, which I think of as the ego. When I'm identified with the love, God is the love in which I forgive. I'm sending love out indiscriminately. It says to everything, right? To everything in my beingness. It just flows out to everything the way God's love flows out to everything, just like sunshine. It, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have specialness. It doesn't exclude certain people. But when um, I extend that love through forgiveness, it dissolves away the false self. You know, when I'm, when I'm specifically saying, God is the love in which I forgive such and such or so and so, I am in a sense, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to release this false uh, illusion that I blocked God's energy with. I was talking to someone in a lot of pain yesterday and the day before, and, you know, she has a guru, and she's really, like, completely devoted to her guru, but she was lost in ego mind, really negative, like, really, like, afraid of somebody else and afraid of a situation and I said to her you know Amma can't help you if you are blocking her with these negative thoughts you can't block the love you have to open to her and let it be in her hands and grace will flow and grace will correct the situation and you know I told her the line in the course from a couple of days ago and it said everything is perfect Everything is um, the way it's supposed to be, except in the ego's mind, which judges. If we trust and open, everything will everything will be fine. It says in the reading, the constant going out of his love is blocked when his channels are closed, and that's the fear. Fear closes us, and forgiveness forgiveness means offering it to God, opening to God's love, that's to undo it. That's the great undoing. Um, I really appreciated these lessons. All of them, you know, God is the mind in which I think of, the love in which I forgive. God is the light in which I see because that's my Christ mind. And it's telling me that's identification with truth. If I am not in the light and the love and forgiveness then I'm in an illusion of a false self. And it it feels very real when you're in it. But it's, it's learning to have the discrimination, to know, oh, I'm feeling the false self right now. And it's okay to feel it when it's coming up. Because I'm offering it to God and whatever's been depressed and repressed and dissociated has to come up to be healed. This is what the course told us in the chapter. That's okay. I'm offering it to God. Um, it's not real. I offer it to the light and let love undo it. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, well, that was just splendid. Thank you, Karen.
1: Thank
2: you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. up in my mind, you know, as a channel like a river, like um, a blockage, like the river's going to going to take that blockage away. We don't have to do it. We just have to be part of the river. And if that little blockage gets into an eddy, it's like a polished rock, you know, it gets be- more and more beautiful until we can actually see That person's beauty, but God is doing that. So I really liked what you said. Thank you.
3: That was beautiful. Gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Aunt Marie.
3: We have a question. Um, a few days ago, I think it was maybe yesterday's reading, I'm not sure. But it was talking about depression and dissociation. In the text, I think it was referring to how the ego dissociates and represses our higher mind and our true self. But um, the question is, is the reverse true? Because I was using it in the reverse, which would be to, as if to say that um, my I'm also repressing and, and dissociating from the negativity sometimes. So they can't be they can't be undone if I hide them in my in my unconscious. And you know that's why it says, think of the people that you need to forgive. Even the ones you, and if you don't like someone, then that means that that's a person that represents something to you that you need to forgive. Um, question mark. I'm done. Thank you.
1: Boy, that was an excellent point, Karen. Yeah. Thank you Good very point. much. And, and, um. And he addresses it actually in this reading uh, in that very first paragraph of today's reading just a minute let me turn my page where he says ego illusions are quite specific although they frequently change and all the mind although the mind is naturally abstract but the mind nevertheless becomes concrete voluntarily as soon as part of it splits or as soon as it splits. However, only part of it splits. So only part of it is concrete. The concrete part is the same part that believes in the ego, because the ego depends on the specific. I overlooked the very sentence I wanted to highlight, and that is the first one. It should be clear by now that while the content of any particular ego illusion does not matter. So the content, let's say an ego illusion is something that calls for my forgiveness. If we can accept that definition for now. Ego <clears throat> illusion is something that calls for my forgiveness. If content does not matter, it is usually more helpful to correct it in a specific context. <clears throat> keep that definition in mind. Hey, gee, gee. I have to find, <laughs> thought I had it at my fingertips, keep that definition in mind while I find one more paragraph that I just absolutely must read, <clears throat> take me just one second, I thought I had its tab open, 348, chapter 3, paragraph 48 where he says, God and the souls he created remain in surety, and therefore know that no miscreation exists. Truth cannot deal with unwilling error, because it does not will to be blocked out. I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge, and as a man, I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge, so much as to correct error from the bottom up. Correct error from the bottom up, I read in exactly the same way that I read that first sentence. It should, not, it should be clear by now that while the content of any particular ego illusion does not matter, we're not going to put a band-aid on it um, by counteracting error with knowledge, so much as correct it from the bottom up, it is usually more helpful to correct it in a specific context. Because ego illusions are quite specific and frequently change, even though the mind is abstract naturally. <clears throat> so when we say this lesson, um, we're actually saying, uh, Father, I agree with you that it is most helpful for me to correct my mistaken thinking in a, a specific context. And here's a great example I really want to forgive X. For the condemnation that I've laid upon x um, recognizing that to do so is to free my mind of that specific concrete thought that's interfering with my being um, from the bottom up, you know um, so what an excellent point you make, I'm complete.
2: Super great. Bye,
1: guys. Yeah, that was good. Thank you, Lori. Have a great day, Ron Marie.
3: Can uh, can I share another thing? I um was feeling uh, the the false self having a reaction. So the course told me that the ego is the part of my mind, a part of my mind that has falsehood, that made stuff up. So I know that if I feel like I don't like someone. There's something in the false part of my mind that needs to be given up and healed, undone, transformed, whatever way you want to say it. Um, The person in the present that's triggering it, Jesus says, you owe your brother such a great debt of gratitude. Because... He's helping me recognize what I need to, to let go of and undo. I need to um, give up this, this belief that I established as a child of not liking people. Because I was bullied and, you know, I had to defend myself. So the present-day person is nothing but a gift to help me remember how to, or remember what needs to be healed to offer it up. Someone was saying on the earlier call, oh, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting everyone if you feel this. And I was thinking, no, it's the only way that that I can offer it to the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's unpleasant to feel anything negative, but if we don't acknowledge it and offer it to the light, it can't be transformed. We don't have to put any power in believing in it now. That's really the thing. When something shows up that's negative, we just have to know it's an illusion. That's that's the big thing I want to take away. I have to undo the belief that it's real and then ask the Holy Spirit to take it away because I don't want it. But if it doesn't show up and I don't feel it, I can't offer it to the light. Anyway, I think I got that right, but if I didn't, please feel free we'll worry, to tell me I'm complete
1: oh my dear you know I have a, a real life example uh, that I've worked <laughs> seems like I worked on it for a long time it took me a long time to release it but um, back in I'll try and make it short back in 98 99 I had a job I loved I was particularly well suited for it, I did it marvelously and I was recognized um all over the country for the quality of the job I did in that work and I got to travel and i was you know i I just loved my job I loved it and and people were blessed because I did it well and um, and, and it was a great it was a great thing and all of a sudden um I got sick and the sickness affected me in a way that i was absolutely blind to other people weren't but i was and as a consequence of that i um, was asked to take a hiatus from that job i took that i read that situation as an utter betrayal and it launched me actually uh, straight out of my mind of atonement in general, mind is grief and loss that lasted a long time. Long, long time um, took me. I knew that the problem was unforgiveness. But the name of the person, the, the name of the problem was attached to a person. The name of the problem was, I believed in betrayal. That was the name of the problem. I attached that belief to a person, and because of that false association in my mind, um, the belief in betrayal was just too devastating for me to get past by myself and in my life in practice it really did appear to happen and really did have um, multiple i mean a really wide array of bad consequences for me and so to say that that was all illusion was more than i could do Um, and at the same time i had all of these feelings as a consequence of this loss and betrayal and so you make the point that unless i feel this I can't release it you are absolutely and utterly right we have a tendency to say God doesn't want us to experience anything bad Um, and that is true that is true I'm sure our loving father does not wish that for us but in the process of healing the divisions in the mind uh, there will be things that hurt because we believe in them, <clears throat> because the mind can't release the belief, the ego mind can't release the belief in these things that hurt so very badly. Forgiveness is um, forgiveness is the Holy Spirit's greatest gift, and it is absolutely a gift. <coughs> excuse me, done for me, not by me. You know, the reason. my my loss and grief lasted so long was because I thoroughly believed that it was my responsibility to forgive the person who had a name. That was the error, you see? It was not a person who had a name. It was the idea that I could be betrayed. I had to release that. And the only way I could Get to that point was by trusting love, and, uh, and and some part of me knew that. Thank God, some part of me knew that. Some part of me knew this was a wave I had to ride um, until it was finished. Um, but when it was finished, it was finished, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, forgiveness is the greatest gift that God gave to bless our minds and um, and it's in the experiencing of the feeling that I can release my belief in it as a real thing and um, and some of those wounds you know might go over many lifetimes I don't know some of those wounds might be for the collective I don't know you know, some of those wounds I can think of this betrayal wound also as something my mother transmitted to me because she suffered from that same idea. You know. So I, I don't know all of the tentacles that these wounds have. I just know that when it's on my lap it's for me to um, to feel to the extent that I can feel and rely on Holy Spirit trusting love for the release of it ego of course would like to say it's all as a consequence of this person and you know all the things that i wind up making myself an effect of and that's the nature of the problem right there i i become the effect of this thing that happened i lose contact with me when i am an effect of a thing that happened, or I'm an effect of someone's treatment of me, or I'm an effect of um, anything that happens to me. I am not me. I'm an effect. And I must rely on the Holy Spirit to restore the truth of me to my awareness. Forgiveness is His gift for that. I'm complete.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Perfect. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Lori.
5: Good morning. This is Wendy. So I have a sister who is the repository of every negative idea I could have about myself. It's as though uh, her being overweight, her being a hoarder, her being a uh, angry. I really wanted her to hold all, I mean, unconsciously. I had no idea this is how it was working, but everything I didn't want to be, but I believed in, she carried. And... I need to forgive myself for all that projection because these were things I, were, I was afraid of and but, but I believed in and then I quietly assigned it to somebody else. And to reel all those things back in and go, no, I'm not a bad person. No, nobody is a bad person. Um, all these effects have nothing to do with who she really is and who I really am. And I can forgive all of that, all the belief in that, and release both of us. I'm complete. Good. That's great.
1: Thanks for sharing that. (laughs) It's awesome when you can see it, isn't it? Thanks, Wendy. Oh, boy, this has been a powerful chapter. Um, Just looking at something somebody said, Reverend Pam's call um, made me reminded me of the ambivalence, the ambivalence that we have, um, the love-hate ambivalence that we have with the body and the ego and the persona that we've made, our ego that we've made, and that there's no love in the world without this ambivalence, either towards ourselves or towards others, quote-unquote others. Now, this whole idea of having to forgive myself or uh, quote-unquote others is, you know, is all, all encapsulated in the fact that we believe we're separate from God, you know, and that we can't do that, that we can't make ourselves into a body image and make ourselves guilty of things that we think and we say and we do in the body image because it's just a dream. We're just play-acting roles. For whatever reason, the Course says, I don't have to understand, but I have to understand what's true and what's false. And, And when I go to the Holy Spirit for interpretation of my perceptions, time after time after time after time, He reveals to me the the illusory nature of these roles that we play in our holy relationships with one another to see the falsity of them and to restore us to the awareness of the totality of the one-mindedness. And, you know, it takes practice. You know, it took me a long time um, letting go and, and still not taking the bait, you know, taking the bait. Um, you know, that, that people are going to say and do things um, that trigger me, and whatever triggers me is something that I don't like about myself. And, you know, that if i got one finger pointing out in ac- accusation or condemnation or blame, um, that that's something that needs to be healed. And there's a whole lot of all, all of that going on everywhere in the world. I mean, just... Lori, you're sharing about, you know, the, um, the group, the group, you know, the, the, the general consciousness of humanity. And it's, but the Course even speaks to us of that. The historical significance of it all, the accumulated history of it all it doesn't matter. It's only in the moment. The eternal validity of our changeless, changeless, perfect state of being spirit. And the only eternal validity, eternal validity belongs to the spirit that God created as a spirit. He did not create the body. He did not create the world. That was something that's created out of a illusory mind, separate from God. That's a dream state. Now, I don't have to understand the, the magnificence of what this Course is trying to explain to me. All I have to do is deal with my the immediacy of my own peace of mind, which with practice has come to be um, not a whole lot of level confusion going on here for this girl. This girl knows she's spirit. She knows she's purely mind. And, you know, I have a body and I have pain in my body. You guys know that. You've heard me share that. But you can't touch who and what I am that's God created me. You simply cannot hurt me. You can't hurt me because I don't confuse myself with the body. I don't confuse others as being an image of their own making. So no matter what they say or do, good or bad, heroic or, or demon or villain, they're all just dream roles on the stage. And life is a wonderful stage. It's a wonderful play. And it's the divine abstraction that's taking joy in doing it for whatever reason it's doing it. So this part of the text is really absolutely huge. in the, the magnitude of what it's, it's laying on our table, that we are spirit, our reality is spirit, and the validity, the eternal validity of reality testing belongs to spirit. That's where my truth is. That's where my happiness is. That's where my peace is. That's where my limitless joy is because it takes joy and divine abstraction. The confusion, the level of confusion is thinking that my identity, my happiness, my safety and my protection and my joy lie in being a body. That's a limited itsy-bitsy teeny-weeny fearful state of identification, which is a false sense of self. So this level of confusion, confusing the spiritual with the physical, is something that makes the difference, discerns the difference for this girl, Jude, here in understanding who and what she is in truth, that she's spirit, purely transcendental awareness of mind, that everything is an idea manifesting in divine abstraction. Of course, in form, but that's not my reality because it's changes and it's temporal in space and time, all of which don't apply to me. None of those rules or laws apply to who and what I am in truth. Enough out of Jude. That was six minutes. Pretty good, huh? (laughs) I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Thanks for that. that there's only one love the love of God um, I think that 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 there's no love in the world without that love-hate ambivalence is, is really what helped me to see it clearly that the, there's only the love of God there's only the will of God and that's where the perfection of the one son, the one creation of God lies that is what is the kingdom of heaven to me And that's within me, and with it, within me, and um, goes with me wherever I go if I remember it. So God is the love in which I forgive, and there's nothing to forgive because we've never done anything wrong. We just thought we did. Amen. I'm complete.
4: Thanks, Judy.
1: Thank you, Judy. Yeah, I used to think forgiveness is so complicated. And, and there's so many things you can say about it, you know. Um, and, and it does seem exquisitely specific uh, to this, that, and the other situation. Um, because it's only the ego that sees this that the other situation and calls it one thing um and misses everything else that's going on the glorious context of is real relationship to you um and, and <laughs> years ago i thought you know i think it was in 2018 i was reading course of miracles and course in love at the same time and it was quite an experience to read them side by side like that i mean it was really lighting me up and i thought i'm gonna i'm gonna assemble a, a collection of all the various ways forgiveness is described in these two works and and just look at what does that look like when i have all this in one place <laughs> You know talk about specifics but anyway that was my undertaking and and it went on and on and on and on and I thought you know it can't be it can't be this complicated and it isn't in the end it isn't and it was just, <laughs> just a few um, months ago it came to me uh, forgiveness is what I need to do anytime I'm blaming somebody else for how I feel you know Uh, it's just really really simple I have a feeling that I don't like and someone is surely responsible for it wherever the blame falls uh, is relevant it's that maneuver I have a feeling someone else is responsible for that's the maneuver it is the error And when I can um, see how simple that is, then all I need to do is uh, look at my feeling and experience it as a gift of release uh, for my mind and heart. After I was done sharing a little bit ago, I thought, you know, of the great Ramana Maharshi quote, that mind makes the abyss. The heart longs to cross we don't like this feeling of disunity disharmony uh, dismay disappointment disillusionment depression we don't like it we can't tolerate it because we're beings of love and it's it's my mind's error that makes this abyss it makes the gap makes the the uh, space in which that thing I love is lost that thing I love is my truth the truth of me and um, I think that's why it's commonly said the longest distance anywhere in the world is the distance between the mind and the heart and why of course in love enjoins us uh, to wholeheartedness because it's the recognition that it's the mind's error that makes this abyss. The mind's error being someone else is responsible for how I feel. Something else is responsible for how I feel. I choose the feelings I would have, you know? So anyway, a lot you can say about forgiveness, but it always boils down to, um... It's something that releases my mind from uh, a trap that I really don't want uh, because it keeps me from the love I truly am. I'm complete. Oh, God, that was good, Lori. Thank you. I was thinking about that blame, removing blame from others and then blaming myself and it's like, God says, no, don't even blame yourself.
4: There's no
1: case. I, I went through a uh, a self-inquiry um, length and breadth for a while where the Holy Spirit became became um, my attorney, my favorite attorney, because he would dismiss the case against me. <laughs> Any case I could come up with. For any grievance, or any resentment, any any hateful thought, or unforgiving thought, un unloving thought, for anybody, and he would say, "No, there's something to love about everybody, and that's the truth." Amen. I'm complete.
5: Love that. Thanks, Judy. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Judy. I was always so strongly impressed with um, recollections of people who were in Nazi German um, Nazi German war camps, and um, you know, my mother came through Europe during World War II, and when she was just she was just still a teenager, like eighteen, and her sister was nineteen, and she actually worked in 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 in, um, in war camps, and um, then fled to Canada. Um, and made it to the States, but um, she would never speak of the war. She wouldn't even, she wouldn't discuss any of her stories about it. She didn't want to think about it, and she didn't want any of us as children to think about it. She said it was just horrible. It was horrible and, and full of hate, and um, it's not something that you want to think about. You want to be, you don't want to be that way, and um but always being impressed by um people who actually survived um being in in those horrible camps um, who spoke of maintaining the love for themselves and God and their dignity through all of the hate and the horrors that they lived through. And I thought, you know i'm I'm just, you know, I'm I'm really impressed, and it makes me sort of want to sit up straight and really, really think hard and 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 realize and practice what that kind of standing up in the house of truth, of the truth of who we are, really means. You know, really looking at how we, you know, um, disappreciate each other. Um, criticize one another instead of loving each other and bringing out the best in, in one another and, you know, just seeing just the good in each other. And, you know, I've I, been one of the most critical, judgmental, and, and condescending um, out of a sense of inferiority and insecurity. But I didn't know that. I thought, I, I just thought I was better than people, I really did, because that's what the ego does and, you know, the text has spoken of that recently to us that knowledge doesn't compare anything, that everything is seen as one and there's only one, one and no other and there's nothing to compare it to because it's all beautiful and kind and light and and true and happy and joyful. and to stand in that truth beyond perception now this is beyond the perceptual mind beyond the limited mind that sees through the body that sees itself as a body it's all beyond that Christ consciousness is beyond all that but this is what I'm aspiring to rise to identifying solely with that capital that I am capital that so it's 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 who we are. And I don't I don't know that we have to do anything or try. Just have to remember ourselves with it. Rejoin it. you that we're joined. Rejoin ourselves to it, restore ourselves to it. We're already in the storehouse, in the treasure house, claiming our peace and our our non contingent peace, our non contingent happiness our non-contingent joy, no matter what. And don't let anything shake it up or disturb it, because that capital, that is who we are. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. So happy to be with you. I am complete.
2: Thank you,
1: Judy.
0: Thank you, Judy. generalizable um, <laughs> and not just comparing to contrast and judge. There's a line in 97. Uh, let me see. Okay. I'll just start with <clears throat> you know this is it's about this. The section here, creation and communication. Creation and communication are synonymous. God created every mind by communicating his mind to it, thus establishing it forever as a channel for the reception of his mind and will. Since only beings of a like order can truly communicate, his creations naturally communicate with him and like him and you know I think the uh, um, the way it's emphasized, the normal reading would be his creations naturally God's creations naturally communicate with him and God's creations naturally communicate like him but when I read it today it it was just like it was not like separate sentences it was this explanation of uh, how uh, you know and the praise that is asked for is, is, you know, for me anyway, is like him. Just like him. Naturally like him kind of thing. That, uh, you know, uh, I struggle with the word God because of the way it's been used. And... uh <clears throat> you know, focus on the God of the Old Testament and, and uh, you know, as, as this course says that all the hellfire that's introduced into it and, uh, using, using God in a way that's like pretty much perfectly reversed from this course in and clear in the section that you know all of creation exists and it exists of the creator and in the creator and uh, (laughs) that uh, yeah I mean I've had to I guess it's um, you know forgive the misapprehension of of God that includes fear, which is just the same problem again. You know, it's separating, judging, and uh, and all that just merely calls for forgiveness. <clears throat> it doesn't require a lot of uh struggling. So I just kinda wanna close with the the way he reinterprets uh the scripture in in the principles in principle thirty six, paragraph fifty in chapter one in the original edition where he first says, Lead us not into into temptation you know, from the Lord's Prayer, means guide us out of our own errors. It doesn't really refer to <laughs> anything that, like, you know, lead us not into temptation, puts temptation out there as something external. But the problem is erroneous beliefs leading us, you know, To remain in separation, and so the the proper way to think of that is to request is a request for guidance out of my own errors. And uh, then the next one, which really relates to the section, I think, is quote Take up thy cross and follow me." means Recognize your errors and choose to abandon them by following my guidance. And, you know, it's that line, I think, take up thy cross and follow me means it's like, it's, you know, it's a request that I don't think has is, is really ever been made that <clears throat> anyone else should have to go through what Jesus did and and in fact in general it's not it's not the way it used to be around that and that and that's good but the point being that the that somehow the the purification is through suffering I I think is is uh, has been projected on that. Take up thy cross, <clears throat> and uh, I really really get a sense when he says take it up. He means he means uproot it, you know. And it's my cro- my cross. I made it, right? So this is these are the judgments that would separate me from God, from life, because I think they're actually real. But it's an error and a misapprehension of what life is. And if I recognize it as my own error, I can choose to just abandon it. This is the... Proper use of defense is to dissociate from error. It's not to repress it or fight against it or anything, but dissociate from the error enough so that the uh, truth can be seen. And the guidance. It's it's pretty clear in the in the workbook about forgiveness. And forgiveness simply being the uh if you will the uh, rebirth of acceptance. And uh <clears throat> To not then let my cross, if you will, what my mis my misbeliefs be reinforced by other people's very similar difficulties with the world that we've created or miscreated, if you will, and it really to escape from error, I think really. Um, requires only that we disbelieve in its utility, its usefulness, its truth, and and uh, that this is really all that's required. We don't need to deny the unmindful to protect the mind and. Uh, we don't really need to deny the presence of error as that would be dissociating from anyone who's suffering error, but to you know dissociate from the belief that the error is is real and and must be there. in reality. And so, you know, I think that... (laughs) Just go back to that place where I started. His creations naturally communicate with him and like him. And... yeah I still hear that as an invitation to simply like God to like the life that I've been given that's all it's uh, it's beautiful and I'm complete and uh,
1: <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you.
0: I uh, thank everyone for being here this morning. Those who read like
3: thank you
0: oh and thank you for your patience Diana I know I put you on mute and left you there I mean you could have unmuted yourself but um, no
5: worries,
0: if, I, one. <laughs> if I ever do that um, and you need to get off mute uh, you can and to, to say something you can use star six and uh, I'm complete, and uh, i end the recording, but not the call. We carry on.